Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning, I'm Karen Moscow, along with Tom Keen and Michael McKee, and the opening bell brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 85 years. Learn more at ADR.org. Stocks higher at the open, the S&P 500 up four-tenths percent or eight points to 2070. Dow Jones Industrial Average up about four-tenths percent or 66 points to 17,000 788. The Nasdaq's up seven tenths percent or 33 points to 49.05. Ten-year Treasury down four thirty seconds. The yield 1.78 percent. The yield on the two-year 0.75 percent. NYMEX crude oil down one percent or 44 cents to 41.73 a barrel. COMEX gold down eight tenths percent or nine dollars ninety cents to 12.51 an ounce. The euro a dollar 13.10. The yen 109.12. Tom and Mike. Karen, thanks so much. Uh, he was not on the conference call for J.P. Morgan. David Kelly is with J.P. Morgan Funds, where he is chief global strategist. Uh, good to catch up with him, given uh, the swirl that's out there. Mike, uh, there's like 18 ways to go here. I'm going to start with animal spirit. David Kelly, where is global nominal GDP? Is it alive? Uh, it, it's pretty slow. Um, uh, the, the problem is that there's no particular part of the world that's actually adding to growth right now. Um, this is, you know, the, the, the global economy is a tortoise, not a hare right now. Uh, so we've got low inflation overall. We don't have any real pockets of strong growth. And, of course, we've got places like uh, Russia and Brazil and Venezuela and so forth in, in recession. Uh, but you know, having said all that, I still think the global economy is moving forward. I don't see anything that's going to push the global economy actually into a freefall here. Well, if that's the case, then are we properly priced in the, in the major indexes at, at this point? Well, the, the thing that's most out of whack is, is the pricing of central banks. Um, and, and where short-term interest rates are, um, because as I said, you know, the, this, this, this is a boring global economy. It's a tortoise, but it doesn't seem to be under any particular threat. But monetary policy is uh, positioned in the developed world for a depression. Uh, and because of that, short-term interest rates are extraordinarily low. And given how low those short-term rates are, um, I think risk assets still look relatively attractive. So I'd still be a little overweight equities in this environment globally, uh, despite the fact that valuations are pretty normal because, you know, although valuations are normal for equities, they are not normal for cash. Well, at this point, um, then, you know, what's what can you say about the outlook uh, since we seem to not be necessarily coupled to what's going on in uh, the economy and and uh, and or fundamentals? Well, I think I think we ha- we have to have some patience here. I mean, these are, these are going to be troubling times over the next few weeks. We, we've got a, we're going to have a nasty first quarter GDP report out of the U.S. Uh, I'm thinking that we could be uh, as weak as negative one percent, depending on how the inventory numbers come out uh, at ten. Um, that, that's going to be a bit of a shock to the system, and, and it's going to be a pretty weak first quarter earnings season. Also, um, when we look at the economy and the way it's operating, and when we look at earnings, I think we're going to see a big bounce back by the end of the year, uh, but it's a little unnerving to have to wait that long uh, for, for that bounce back. 
does does the dynamics of what I'm going to call economic cash flow sustain? And that we've had a huge uh, lack of labor productivity, good capital productivity, maybe not great. All of the benefit going to corporations, you see that in use of cash, mm-hmm. you see that in dividend growing, you see the dividend ETFs out to new highs, blue chip cash generators out to new highs. Does that change given exogenous factors or does that change given central bank temperament over the next, say, three years? I think it will eventually change, but you really highlighted what the, what the problem is. The problem is that the, the places cash is in the world are, are in the hands of people who aren't, don't, aren't inclined to spend it. Uh, you know, one, one of the yeah. problems of growing inequality is that if you give uh, a poor person $100, they will spend $100. If you give a corporation $100 and say, don't, don't ever get into a liquidity crisis, don't ever fall into the clutches of the central banks uh, or anybody else, they will simply stash it away in the, uh, in the vault and add it to their to their uh, war chest. And so I think there's a lot of war chesting going on and not enough, enough basic spending by, by companies and consumers, and that's really part of the problem, and it's being caused by central banks. Well, that's true, certainly in the financials. Uh, but what about in other companies? You give them uh, $100, and they're just sitting on it or using it to buy back stock. Well, well, that's right, and, and part of the problem, I mean, there, there's, it does come back to central banks to some extent because I think that they are, they are contributing to low nominal GDP growth. And one of the problems for companies is if you can tell them that their market is going to grow by 10% or 20% or 30% over a number of years, they will invest. If you tell them the growth is going to be very slow, they don't really have that much of an incentive. Um, the other thing that's very, that really hurts growth in the U.S. is uh, a, a very complicated and uh, punitive corporate tax structure which keeps cash overseas and companies have to put cash in little bit of pockets to try and hide it from the from the taxman as opposed to actually deploying it. Yeah, well, our John Tucker knows that in his every third week trip to Panama that he's been. <laughs> You're out of Teterboro on that, John? Yeah, well, I can't really say. <laughs> you know, I look, Mike McKee, I think this is important. The dividend, one of the dividend ETFs is up 6.0% change over the last ugly 10 years, coming pretty much off the Lehman lows. It's up 17.2% per year. I mean, the world's coming to an end. Nominal GDP is terrible, and people like David Kelly are having have faith. That's why. <laughs> well, nom- nominal GDP is is terrible, and we're seeing an earnings recession. I mean, for a year now, we've watched earnings contract, and the forecasts are this is going to continue for a while. So, David, uh, at what point does it turn? At what point do companies start to believe again? Is it going to take some sort of action in Washington and Congress to change the tax code, or can something happen absent that? Well, well first, first thing is I, I do take issue a little bit with the concept of an earnings recession because, to me, a recession is a broad-based decline in earnings, and this is very right. much the dollar and oil. Okay, um, i, I got to interrupt. This is incredibly important, this insight you just said, Dr. Kelly. Are we in a cash flow recession? Well, um, no, I don't think we're in any. I don't think we're actually in any recession. I think I think over, overall corporations, um, their profits outside of the dollar headwind and the oil headwind, is, those profits are positive. And what's going to happen by the end of this year is those headwinds are going to turn into tailwinds, and profits are going to bounce back to double-digit year-over-year growth. So I do think we will see that, but it's it's, it's uh, contributing to a um, you know an atmosphere of gloom. 
uh, when we, you know, the, the fact that earnings are down year over year. So I, th- I think that's part of the problem. In, in terms of a, of a catalyst, I mean, uh, it's they, uh, ultimately you need you don't you don't need more government action. That's that's really been the whole problem for the last 20 years. Is that Everyone's of the mindset of what is the government going to do about the economy, and the more the government does about the economy, the more it squashes the animal spirits and the natural greed, which would cause businesses and consumers to go out and make a bit of money for themselves. Um, so I, I really feel that the, the, the constant morphine drip of federal regulation and uh, super easy and inappropriately easy money is actually slowing long-term growth, slowing demand around the, around the world. What the government needs to do is get out of the way. We're hearing more and more people say that, Tom. More. We are. Yeah. And, and not with an, a political stance. Someone uh, a less political as David Kelly. We'll come back with the chief global strategist, J.P. Morgan Funds, as well. Uh, with the optimism, I'm not on the record watch yet, but we are getting there abruptly. 17,856 on the Dow, up 135. The VIX, 14.43. This hour of surveillance brought to you by Volvo Cars White Plains. Visit volvocarswhiteplains.com. Here's Michael Barr with headlines. Thank you very much, Mike Tom. A South Carolina judge is being asked to delay the state death penalty trial of Dylan Roof. Roof is charged with nine counts of murder after prosecutors say he went into a Charleston church last year and shot black parishioners. Roof's attorneys say starting the trial as scheduled on July 11th won't give them enough time to mount an adequate defense. Health officials say at least 30 states could potentially be at risk for the Zika virus. Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Diseases at the National Institutes of Health, says the more that is learned about Zika, the scarier the virus is. Its ability to cause damage to the neurological system is really getting right, rather concerning, even more so than we thought originally. The House of Representatives yesterday passed a bill to speed up Zika drug research. U.S. charges of workplace discrimination against lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender employees jumped 28% last year. According to the chairman of the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, more and more people are willing to talk about the issues. Jenny Yang told Bloomberg the national dialogue has really shifted. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Michael, thanks so much. We do equities, bonds, currencies, commodities, equities front and center now up 133 on the Dow. S&P up 13 points, 20. 74 with David Kelly of J.P. Morgan, Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch. Committed to bringing higher finance to lower carbon. Named the most innovative investment bank for climate change and sustainability by the banker. That's the power of Global Connections, Bank of America, N.A., FDIC. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by National Realty, 30% returns on cash and rented real estate. Find them at nria.net. 
U.S. stocks rising for a second day, buoyed by improving Chinese trade data and better-than-expected results from J.P. Morgan Chase, the biggest U.S. lender by assets. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. The S&P 500 is up 7 tenths percent, up 13 points to 2075. Dow Jones Industrial Average up 8 tenths percent, or 133 points to 17,854. And the Nasdaq up 1 percent, or 47 points to 49.19. Ten-year Treasury is down 4.30 seconds. The yield 1.79%. The yield on the two-year, 0.75%. NYMEX crude oil down 1.6% or 69 cents to 41.47 a barrel. COMEX gold down 1% or $12.20 to 12.48.70 an ounce. The euro, $1.1293. The yen, 109.08. J.P. Morgan Chase is up 3.5% this morning after reporting first quarter profit that was boosted by pay cuts and trading revenue that declined less than most analysts predicted. J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, and three other major U.S. banks failed to persuade regulators they could go bankrupt without disrupting the financial system. They can now face a tighter leash from Washington after government agencies used one of the most significant post-crash powers bestowed under the Dodd-Frank Act. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Again, up 127 in the Dow. One of my great phrases, folks, is nobody cares. When I get upset, I'll say nobody cares. Nobody cares about business inventories, usually. Michael McKee, I would suggest in 11 minutes, nobody cares goes out the window. A lot of people care about business inventories. Explain why and then bring it into Mr. Kelly. Got to turn on the red button. Um, business inventories, a, a key piece of the GDP number, because inventories are counted as Just production. Just stuff laying around in warehouses? Because they were, it was built. It's counted now. Uh, business inventories are expected to decline, and that could push the initial guesses about GDP negative. This is a February number, though. We'll get another one in March. And, uh, it, you know, it all just continues to, to, to point to what Mark Zandi said about paying attention to the jobs numbers as opposed to the GDP numbers. David Kelly, I heard you laughing there about business inventories. <laughs> it was like it was like third week in March in school, remember? Yeah, yeah, okay. I'll, I, I don't need to know that for the exam. Right, do business inventories matter right now? Oh, yeah, I think they do. I mean, they, they, they are going to shape that first quarter GDP number because the problem is, you're right, we get the March numbers uh, um, in uh, in a month, but the, the problem is the first quarter GDP is going to come out with the government's estimates of March. And, you know, depending on, you know, how strong or how weak the number is on retail inventories today, um, you know, I think we could be down as much as 1% on real GDP for the first quarter. I think it will clear. Uh, I think things will get better going forward. But, but one of the problems is that a year ago we were – Accumulating inventories very fast. We're getting back to a normal level of accumulation, but as you do that, you slow down production, and that's one of the things I think is going to show up in the GDP report. Well, at this point, uh, does d- does it make more sense, as Mr. Zandi said, to ignore the GDP numbers and look to the jobs numbers? I, I think I think so because I think there are a lot of problems with these GDP numbers. I mean, if, if GDP comes in negative, that's going to be in a quarter in which payroll employment rose by 1.9 percent annualized and household employment rose by 4 percent annualized. And the other thing is, just getting back to these inventory numbers, I mean, I, you know, I, I I do think that inventories will be growing more slowly. But when I look at surveys on whether people actually say they've got too much inventory, they don't say that. I mean, the service sector and the manufacturing sector are saying, yeah, inventories are about right. So I don't. 
even know that businesses regard their inventories as being too high. So there's a lot of noise here, and I think I would trust the employment numbers a little bit more than the GDP numbers, uh, particularly in the first quarter. They have a, have a real problem getting the first quarters right. What's the run rate on non-farm payrolls right now with our new demographics, our new American dynamics? Is 205 like better than good, or is that average? No, that's that's better than that's uh, that's better than good right now. We've had a big revival in labor force participation just in the last six months, and we've added something like 2.4 million people to the labor force. I think what's happening is a lot of people who were on things like disability and and, and so forth are coming back into the labor market. But that's a short-term effect. In the long run, our labor force is only going to grow by about five tenths of a percent per per uh, per year, and that means anything above about 80,000 or 90,000 jobs per month will actually push unemployment down. So 200,000 is way above the normal run rate. Uh, at this point, uh, should we then be optimistic, pessimistic, neither? Uh, I, I think I think the, the whole key is to, to understand what sort of economy we have here. You know, the, we, we sort of think about the economy as a 30-year-old underperforming, and this economy is really a 60-year-old performing just as expected. Uh, this is a slow, older economy. It's going to grow more slowly in the long run, but relative to those expectations, it's doing what it's supposed to do. And I think a lot of our problems coming from trying to get this economy heated up and jacked up in a way that it's not going to, is not going to work in, in an economy with low labor force growth, low productivity growth, you just kind of pushing more demand into this kind of economy doesn't really work. David, when I when I look at this and link it into investment, I want to go back to a Dow again near record highs, many blue yeah. chips breaking out to record highs. If we can all agree collegially, it's been the most unloved, rationalized bull market since mm-hmm. time began. What do you actually do at J.P. Morgan funds? They come in with a pot of money. Some of us have a smaller pot. What's the David Kelly to-do list in the equity market? Do you just well, dollar cost average in? No, I don't think it does. I, I don't really believe in that. I mean, I think as a, for, for the most part, I mean, dollar cost averaging will give you half the expected return on cash and half the expected return on equities. Um, if you believe that the key thing is not the timing, it's, it's just uh, being allocated appropriately. I, I do think there's, uh, you know, U.S. equities have got some upside here. I think um, high quality fixed income treasuries and cash, I think, got underweight. But also look at international equities. I mean, I think there's an op- there's a cyclical opportunity in Europe. It's got years of growth ahead of it. Um, I think there's a long-term opportunity in emerging markets. I know it's, it takes bravery, but I think this is a good time to be a little bit brave there. But the, but the key thing is, you know, if cash pays you nothing, you need to get invested in something. And, and to review here, <clears throat> you think equities over bonds where you're going to clip the coupon and not get total return? Um, I, you know, I think I think you should look for total return. I, I understand that, that dividends are very fashionable because everybody's trying to get mm-hmm. their their portfolios to give them a certain amount of income. But that means that stuff that produces income right. is actually a little expensive to stuff that produces growth. So I'd rather, as a long-term investor, buy the stuff that's producing more growth and a little less income. Actually, David Kelly, thank you so much for J.P. Morgan Funds. It's just great synthesis and very brilliant. Whether you agree or disagree with the. Uh, uh, the view and the, I like that idea of you know be persistent find the find what you're comfortable with and go with it. Mike, what did we learn in the last three months? Well, maybe it's six months, and in the last six hours about the GDP analysis frenzy. You have been brilliant over the years with Bloomberg on the economy and Bloomberg surveillance. You and Yamarone, Rich Yamarone of being measured about market data hysteria. 
Are we going to a new level of idiocy with week-by-week, day-by-day analysis of something as complex as Vasily Leontief in 1947 couldn't figure it out? Well, you know, it's not the data that uh, make the mistakes. It's the people who react to the data. So I guess it's a question of what you do with it. It's, uh, in, you know, the the Atlanta Fed and the New York Fed, without getting into the details of, of their methodology, basically they're just counting things up. Uh, they're giving you the numbers as they shake out. Now, you know, some things they have to impute. So that's why they're not always exactly correct. But uh, yeah. it, it, it doesn't really tell you anything you didn't know. What it does give us is another data point to trade on. And traders got to trade, so they're always looking for something. The next obvious question, and this is with great respect to the many interviews you've done with the Fed over the years, and I think of our colleague Kathleen Hayes as well, is this becoming a competitive game between independent, wonderful research houses? Every Fed has a unique character, a unique skill set. And I'm sorry, these guys are com- as competitive as the New York Rangers and the Washington and, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, I mean, we're getting into a competition of economic data. Is that good? Uh, you know, it, it, it's neither good nor bad. Again, it gets back to just the fact that they take the data and they put it into their models. And if you're serious about it, you look at what the models are and you decide whether you agree with the way yeah. they figure it out. All the ba- the banks have done financial and economic research for years. It's just a matter of sorting <laughs> well, it out. Yeah, but, but to take a, a counterfactual, are we smarter now about the American labor economy because we've had ADP for X number of years? Not necessarily because we've had ADP. It's another data point to plug it's in. It's another data point. Uh, and, and it has, it has some impution issues. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah. we have more data and more accurate, more timely data than we ever did. And then overlay it with the ISM frenzy. I mean, you know, Bangladesh is coming out with six ISM series now. I'm kidding, folks. Yeah. But the answer is there's an ISM, P, yeah. you know, PMI frenzy. Yeah. There, we manufacturing is one of the best ways to to figure out how many countries yeah. economies are doing, not necessarily the U.S. Hey, we got a headline here. Speaking, this wraps it up perfectly. Time Magazine apparently did an interview with Janet Yellen. Here's the headline on Bloomberg. Uh, there is uncertainty in the economy. Janet Yellen repeats that uncertainty warrants cautious approach by the Fed. There it is, the headline. And what's great about Sums this, folks, we is about. there's no difference between asking Chair Yellen, New York Fed or Atlanta Fed GDP now, or, Chair Yellen, do you go with Abby Joseph Cohen's Washington Capitals or the dreaded Philadelphia Flyers? I'd put about the same weighting on that. She's from Brooklyn. She's going with the Islanders. She's going with the Islanders. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Have a great Stanley Cup.